Hey, Changemakers. Welcome back to the Engage for Good podcast. I'm your host, Allie Murphy. In April of 2023, Meals on Wheels America made an exciting announcement. A commitment of over $2.5 million from the Home Depot Foundation to support the expansion of the Helping Homebound Heroes program. This remarkable initiative, which the foundation has been actively involved with since 2015, focuses on providing essential home repairs and modifications for aging veterans. With this boost in funding, Helping Homebound Heroes is set to double its impact, expanding from 8 to 16 markets nationwide. In today's episode, I'm joined by Kelly Trimier, Vice President of Strategic Partnerships at Meals on Wheels America, and Sean Vissar, Manager of National Programs and Strategic Partnerships for the Home Depot Foundation. Now entering its ninth year, the Helping Homebound Heroes program has touched the lives of over 2,000 veterans, and the Home Depot Foundation has contributed more than 11 million in countless volunteer hours. While Meals on Wheels America's community and geographic reach is large, the nonprofit has a modest staff of 50 and is working with a large corporate partner. How do they make it work? What makes the Home Depot Foundation renew year over year since 2015? And what role do pilots and innovation play in their partnership? We'll cover that and a whole bunch more. In today's episode, we'll explore insightful advice from Kelly and Sean on cultivating impactful partnerships, the unique strengths and assets each partner brings to the table and how they leverage them, how they co-create and innovate various components of the program, the advantages of being a small nonprofit when it comes to fostering strong partnerships, an overview of the Helping Homebound Heroes program and who it serves, and how to build the capacity of a nonprofit and not push partners beyond their limits. And with that, let's get started. Hey, Kelly and Sean, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thanks, Allie. Thanks for having us. It is my pleasure to have you with me. So, Kelly, we're going to start off with you. We are all more than just our job title. Tell us a little bit about you as a person and what you do at Meals on Wheels America. Sure thing. Um, How about I start with what I do um, at Meals on Wheels America? I oversee our small but mighty corporate partnerships team and personally manage a portfolio of corporate partnerships, including our relationship with the Home Depot Foundation. Um, Because we're small, we all wear two hats. New business development and relationship management, a lot of people may relate to that. So there is never a dull moment. Um, Personally, I'm mom to three very sporty kids. So I spend a ton of time at pools, at baseball fields, um, in gyms, or in parking lots. So I'm really skilled at taking calls, doing work, and reading from parking lots. (laughs) My secret time. I love that. Yeah, that could be a good two truths and a lie of like, where do you work best? Might be a parking lot. Who knows? Right. All right, Sean, same question to you. Tell us a little bit about you as a person and then what you do at the Home Depot Foundation. Yeah. So um, I live in Atlanta, Georgia, where I've been for about the past seven years, where I moved up um, from New Orleans. I spent about 10 years in New Orleans uh, working in long-term recovery after Katrina. So that's where I got into this type of work and what led me to the Home Depot Foundation now. And so I manage our critical home repair programs, which is in partnership with organizations like Meals on Wheels America, um, as well as our disaster response and long-term recovery programs nationally. Um, and I spend my time like traveling, visiting friends all across the country, just being outdoors and um, 
I love who I get to work with and the organizations I get to work with. That's become a huge part of who I am because they're just some of the most incredible people I've gotten to meet. Okay, shameless plug. You like travel. You like visiting friends. You like outdoors. Bend where I live is nature's playground. I know. I know. Trust me, it's on my list. It okay, is on my okay. list. Okay, we can have coffee when you come. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Kelly, would you start us off with an overview of your partnership to kind of set the stage? Sure thing. Yeah. So, um, we have been working together since 2015 on a joint initiative called Helping Homebound Heroes. So, Our objective is to power home repairs and modifications for veterans to improve their homes and lives. So um, taking a little step back, for folks who don't know, Meals on Wheels America is the national leadership organization that drives partnerships and funds and advocacy and awareness and more for about 5,000 community-based programs all across the nation. And we're known for the meal. We're Meals on Wheels after all. People like hear our name and they're like, oh, you know Meals on Wheels, but I love their work. What they don't know, I think, sometimes is that it really starts with a meal, but there's a lot more. And our relationship with the Home Depot Foundation, I think, is a really great example of that. There's so much more involved. There are friendly visits, there are safety checks, there's social connection. And in this case, um, there is home repair and modification happening for seniors. So, um, you know, for everyone, accessible and safe housing is essential. But especially as folks age, it gets harder, you know, physically to maintain homes. Um, A lot of our aging population has difficulty affording the repairs. So, you know, there's this beautiful partnership. This is how we came together. Leaders from our organization came together around the shared desire to really target aging veterans and ensure that they can live safely, comfortably, and with dignity in their homes. So, you know, flash forward to today, I mean, wow, we've come a long way. We started small. We started in a small geographic area, but now we're operating in 16 markets from Florida to Michigan to Texas to Alaska. We're really everywhere. Um, we've served more than 2,300 senior veterans um, with home repairs and modifications. So, you know, it's a longstanding partnership and one we're really proud of. Okay, you shared so many different nuggets. We're going to dive into a whole bunch of those in a minute. But before we get there, to kind of take another step back, which you did beautifully in explaining the organization at large, Sean, what makes Meals on Wheels the right fit for the Home Depot Foundation? Why partner together instead of with another nonprofit? Yeah, no, I mean, um, what I've learned is that Meals on Wheels is is honestly like a world-class organization. They they work at such a high standard and have such a large network of member agencies across the country that it was just natural for us to learn about what they do and then figure out how we can partner. And so this the partnership began before I, I started at the Home Depot Foundation. Kelly, how long was it ago? It was how many years? 2015. So we're, we're really in our ninth year yeah, now. Yeah, ninth year. So almost to a decade. And And um, the the Home Depot Foundation's mission is to better the lives of veterans through housing. And so the way that we do that is through partnering with organizations who specialize in that space. And and throughout the development of the foundation, development of our partnerships, we caught wind of Meals on Wheels and understood and learned that they're going into these individuals' homes every day, seeing what type of situation they live in and seeing what kind of repairs could be needed. And from there, the conversation just grew into what can we develop a partnership together? And can the Home Depot Foundation help support Meals on Wheels without taking it away from its core mission of feeding individuals across the Mm -hmm. country, but complementing that and highlighting that and supporting that specifically 
in a strategic um, and intentional way across the country with member agencies that have the ability to expand into home renovation services. And it has just grown tremendously and beautifully over the past nine years. Okay, so a follow-up question on that. I'm curious because we've talked about this a little bit already. Meals on Wheels is a smaller nonprofit. Kelly talked about wearing multiple hats. I know we talked about that in our prep call. Sean, was there ever a red flag is too strong of a word, but was there ever a hesitation to working with a smaller nonprofit to carry out such important work? Yeah, it's funny what you consider small. <laughs> because I, <laughs> Okay, good I, point. Yeah, my, Maybe um, small in terms of staff, but not necessarily yeah, in terms of yeah, reach is a key, for sure. key point. That's 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 perfect. Um, you know, before we write our first grant, we spend a lot of time getting to know a partner and a potential organization that we'll work with for the long term. And it's beneficial for both of us because the last thing that we want to do at the Home Depot Foundation is push an organization beyond their capacity. Our goal is to help them build capacity for certain programs. So we would never approach an organization with the highest lofty goal. It's like, let's talk about this need that's in the country, um, what you guys do for this certain population that we're both focusing on, and how can we help build up your capacity with funding and support over years where we can um, build a really influential partnership. Okay, this, these are such good nuggets, but I'm going to try and stay <laughs> on track here, and then we're going to deviate some more. Kelly, yeah. You mentioned starting in 2015, now it's eight years, I guess you're entering the ninth year later, and you got a renewed commitment for your Helping Homebound Heroes program. You are smaller working with larger in terms of staff, at least. What helps you develop this mutually beneficial multi-year partnership in the first place? It's a great question. Um, you know, I think it starts with like the advantages of being small. There are some, Ooh, yes. <laughs> even though it can be hard, right? So, um, you know, when the partnership was instigated, leaders came together and, you know, our CEO is is super accessible. Um, you know, she's very engaged. And so Ellie Hollander. So, you know, it, that's an advantage. I think she goes deep with key partners. I think, look, we're small, we're nimble, we're adaptable, we're flexible. I hope Sean would agree. We're really responsive. I mean, we don't oh, have yeah. layers upon layers of, you know, bureaucracy. We're empowered to take action, like as a small partnership team. Um, so we can turn on a dime, I think. And that's something that not, you know, all organizations can do. Larger ones might struggle a bit with that. And um, then the other thing I'd cite, I think we've gotten really good at innovation. Like we've figured out how to do it, you know, incrementally. So um, with Sean, you know, on both sides, like we can have ideas, we can chew on them for a bit, we can talk about how we might pilot them, and then how we might scale them. I mean, it's really an incremental approach. But we again, like we have this freedom to innovate. And to give you an example, um, Sean had a vision for building more sustainability into our partnership, meeting sustainable building products and energy efficient or practices and energy efficient products, to be clear, um, into how we tackle home repairs and modifications. And, um, you know, we we thought about it. We talked about the advantages, <laughs> you know. I mean, obviously, it's really well aligned with the Home Depot and their business. Also, I mean, there's incredible economic impact for, you know, the aging population. I mean, if you, you know, living in your home, you can save on your energy costs. I mean, that's a big deal. So we piloted it with one program in one market, and then we grew from there. And so it took, what do you think, Sean, from the time we started talking about it, 18 months, maybe? Yeah, yeah, I would say. Yeah, yeah about 18 years. months. 
Yeah. So um, I think, though, you know, that's an approach we we can take. We can take risks. Of course, that then builds trust. There are a lot of advantages of being small. <laughs> yeah, I love that you've highlighted these because a lot of times we get questions of like, we're a smaller nonprofit. How on earth do we get the attention of let alone partnerships with? And I think you highlighted some really key points. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Okay, Sean, one of the things that we say makes for a really strong partnership is co-creating programs and utilizing the key strengths and abilities of each partner, which are typically going to be different. So where is the Home Depot Foundation the expert? Where is Meals on Wheels the expert? And how do you co-create in addition to the sustainability example we just got? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, where the Home Depot Foundation fits in is we provide, um, you know, financial support to uh, fund existing programming or build out new new programming like our sustainability initiative. Um, In addition to that, what I can bring to the table is just tapping into world-class assets from this gigantic corporation that is run by individuals who want to give back and care about their communities. And so my one of my roles is like navigating this business to see who I can tap into to support Kelly and her team that then support the member agencies on the ground that then support the homeowners and individuals. And that's an added benefit in addition to the financial dollars that we provide. And so an example of that, you know, Kelly talked about our sustainability initiative. Um, and that really is the way that she described that is I come to the table with ideas or they come to the table with ideas. And it's not like we have to do this. It's it's like, let's talk about this. There's an added benefit. How can we work this this idea into our existing partnership without pushing you over capacity, but while maintaining the original mission and leveraging existing resources. So, you know, an example of that is we partnered with our environmental management team at the Home Depot that's responsible for identifying and sourcing eco-option products um, like low-flow toilets, energy efficiency light bulbs, low VOC paint, all that good stuff. And partner with them and kind of onboard them to work with us and Meals on Wheels America to develop the sustainability guide, essentially, where we can get that out to all of our all of our member agencies um, and walk them through this process of how to install these uh, mechanisms that would reduce utilities in the long run. With any of our partners, especially Meals on Wheels, they're the eyes and ears in the communities, and we follow their lead. So... We often come to the table with we want like in simple terms we want to um, we want to support veterans we want them to stay in their housing and we want to make them safe and he- safe and healthy. Meals on Wheels like they have teams dedicated to research, design of programs, policies, and procedures, and we glean that information from them and learn from them, and then we position ourselves to be the be- best support. So while we both have our expertise in different areas, we it's a really great. Um, we really come together in the middle to to bring our our best qualities and then support the ultimate mission of Meals on Wheels. I love one of the things that you said of not just that they're your eyes and ears, but that you follow their lead. And in some cases, some might argue that that's now table stakes nowadays in partnership because nonprofits have a ton of expertise and usually a big audience. But that's not always the case because historically a corporation would come in and say, hey, we want to do X. We're doing it this way. Here we go. And that's not what this is. I really our team really prides ourselves. And I think Kelly can speak to this. You know, like we really are approaches like a true partnership. Like Kelly and I talk to each other once a month. You know, like we have monthly meetings where we talk, talk about updates, talk about things that are coming up, share ideas, 
Um, and that's where we, that's how we steer the, the conversation, the partnership moving forward. But we aren't going to dictate uh, uh, what a nonprofit should do for the individuals on the ground. Like we want to, again, like be there to support their operations and, and follow their lead, like truly. Oh yeah, 100%. <laughs> what he says is good. true. Good, good. I like the uh, the reinforcement <laughs> of that. I would imagine that what I'm going to call veteran profiles and storytelling are an important facet that you can bring to the table, Kelly. What role does storytelling play in your partnership strategy, whether with the Home Depot Foundation or more broadly? And how do you ensure that those stories are authentic? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, it plays a huge role. I think, you know, we see across all of our partners that they're really hungry for content. Um, authentic content, especially with everything going on in the world today, uplifting, you know, hopeful content. And that's really easy for us. And I mean, specifically speaking about the Home Depot Foundation, we're thrilled to lift up these stories. And we love providing a sort of steady stream of accounts of what happened with the veteran who was served with the home repair and modification, because it is truly life-changing, I mean, transformational. And we can say quite authentically, it would not have been possible without the support of the Home Depot Foundation. So that's that's like the easy part. And I'll just, I'll share one story to give you an example. And Sean knows the story. We've told this before, but um, there was an army veteran who broke his back. Um, he lived in Alaska oh. for a couple of years. Yeah. For a couple of years, he was unable to fit his wheelchair through his bathroom door. Um, and so, you know, with the help of the Home Depot Foundation, our Helping Homebound Heroes program partner in Alaska was able to widen his doorways and add some other features to make his bathroom accessible. And so for the first time in two years, he was able to use his own bathroom. And his quote was, you gave me my dignity back. Yeah. I mean, when you think about you know, someone who has done so much for us, served his country, isn't that the least we can do? You know, so, I mean, that is just a true story. I mean, I think, you know, beyond that, um, we are trying to be really sure that when we do tell stories and when we do present that content, lift it up to partners, that it is a whole story. You know, every veteran, I mean, I just gave you a story, but, I, you know, that veteran is more than his disability. He's more than his mobility. He's more than his financial situation, but really tell a whole and complete story. A person-centered approach is what we aim for every time. Um, so I think that is really resonating with partners. I love that. And it's definitely not the same thing, but it reminds me a little bit of how I start pretty much every podcast. You are not just what you do for work. You are a person outside of that. And I want to know a little bit about that person as well. Not the same thing, but that's the connection that was made in my head. Yeah. I and love one, that. One thing I just want to add to the storytelling is it's a it really is an opportunity to highlight also what Meals on Wheels does for these individuals and gets the the organizations and the member agencies out there. But it also um, allows for other veterans to see what kind of resources are in their communities in the event that they need additional support. So the storytelling is multifaceted and has so many different benefits that um, it can get information out within, you know, within the community of Alaska to the entire country. Because um, we want the word to get out. We want veterans to know what resources are out there in their local communities. And Kelly, one one other question on this that you're getting my gears turning. You tell stories of veterans in your programs, but you're also not telling stories of every veteran because there's no way that would be possible. What is your process for actually getting these stories and then disseminating them or at least acquiring the story in the first place? 
Yeah, that that's a great question. I mean, with a lot of our work, um, when we are collaborating with a local program, when there's grant making involved, we're collecting a lot of content. You know, we we want to see all the stories, and then we kind of mine those stories for what we think will resonate best with the partner. Um, you know, sometimes there is a profile, a specific profile that we're looking for. I mean, we want to lift up diverse voices. I mean, sometimes we're seeking to tell the story of a female veteran, for instance. Um, so, you know, I mean, we're lucky that we do have kind of the stream of content come to us and then we can provide it back out to partners, but we build that into how we work with our local program partners. Like it is an expectation that there's going to be that exchange, um, that, that we're going to receive those stories because it's so important to the partner. It's so valuable. Absolutely. We talk about a lot at Engage for Good that great partnerships are deep. They're multifaceted, multi-year, and transformational as opposed to transactional, but they drive significant dollars to nonprofits. Sean, you're doing that. So what has made the Home Depot Foundation continue this partnership year over year? It sounds like it started before you got there. Now in its ninth year, why keep coming back? Oh, there's so many reasons. Um, I mean, one of... (laughs) One of the ways um, that we know a partnership is is solid is by the people who manage it. Um, you know, like I don't I don't get the opportunity to I'm getting to know more and more of the member agencies across the country within our support uh, that fall within our support, um, even outside of that by going to conferences as well. Um, but really getting to know the individuals who are managing the partnerships and executing the dollars is has been critical to us. Um, understanding and learning that they have the skill set, the ingenuity, the innovation um, to take it to the next level. And so getting to know Kelly and getting to know her teammates and bringing my teammates to the table, we've really created like a strong bond um, that has helped support our initiatives. But, you know, if one of us were to leave the next day um, and like there would be turnover and, and new people came to the table, um, the relationship would not be rocked because of the foundation that we built over the past nine years. Um, over 2,000 veterans served that Kelly that Kelly mentioned. Um, we see that the additional support we can provide can grow incrementally over the years. And we always figure out ways how to increase our support or how to incre- leverage additional resources because the need is still there. The need's not going to go away. Unfortunately, right now, the the waiting list for each member agency um, is getting longer, if not staying the same of individuals that need this support. So the critical needs are are ever present. Um, and it demonstrates to us that we are, if we were to fluctuate our support or pull our support, it would impact just broad numbers across the country, which we can't happen, um, which we can't have. So uh, while our our relationship or our partnership is rooted in these really strong relationships. It just goes, um, we're connected to every 16 member agencies that are part of this grant. Um, and because we see and get updates from Kelly and her team about how many individuals are impacted, how many individuals have submitted applications for support, we can see that the need, we can see that the incremental need is, is growing. Um, therefore, our supporting to stay, if that made sense. Yeah. So, okay. So you've we've talked about growing need. We've talked about, or you've definitely mentioned capacity issues of you always want to have help an org grow their capacity, but not overburden them. So 
how I'm going to dive into that a little bit more. How do you approach building an impactful partnership without overburdening Meals on Wheels? Were there things that you learned along the way that maybe weren't your first instinct or that you you had to pivot? And Sean, maybe I'll start with you and Kelly if you want to add after. Yeah. Well, every year we set a goal. And in our grant agreement, we we list how many veterans or how many individuals are going to be impacted by this funding. And we'll go back and forth um, to be like, this is our goal this year. Um, and then Meals on Wheels may come back. And, and our goal is based on previous years. Um, Meals on Wheels may come back and say, you know what, we feel more comfortable um, reducing the number, not because we um, can't support those individuals, but because construction expenses have gone up, you know, contract expenses have gone up. So it really is a conversation that we have to be like, let's land in a safe uh, position for when we sign this contract. We're both liable for that, fully knowing on my end that they're going to knock it out of the park and they're going <laughs> to do more than they always do. Um, but that's where we come, we both come to the table to be like, what is feasible? Let's like start mm-hmm. from there and then build off from there um, and not lock anybody into something that um, will stress their their resources down the line. And ends up being a lose-lose instead of a win-win. Correct. Yeah. Kelly, follow up on that piece and feel free to add anything that might have sparked from what Sean said. But I'm curious if we take a step back and I'm I'm making a totally different example here. So bear with me for a second. But if we take a step back and instead of partnerships, it's I am X person and all of a sudden I need to tell my boss, for example, that this doesn't really fit. That can be scary. And a lot of people will say, oh, it does. And they'll figure out how to make it work and they'll be stressed out or they'll work late. And so taking that kind of idea or example, have you ever felt that way or maybe in the very, very early stages? And maybe the Home Depot Foundation is a great partner and this isn't something to think about. But I'm curious of is that initial feeling of, ooh, we need to meet them there present? And if so, how do you move past it? Oh, I think it's present, of course. I mean, I think, you know, especially in the nonprofit world, you have a lot of givers, a lot of pleasers. You have, you know, type A people who want <laughs> to do too. a job, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Problems. And so um, I think it can be hard, but but Sean nailed it. I mean, it's that honest communication and transparency is essential. You have to be brave. I mean, you have to really be brave and direct and um, I think what's great about the team that, you know, us working together, but also the team at Meals and Wheels America that works on this relationship, I mean, we're close to the, to the local programs. And if something's not working, we can reflect back why. You know, we're not making any assumptions. I mean, we have explanations and it's all rooted in what we're observing or in data. I mean, good reasoning. So I think that goes a long way too. I mean, you just have to be brave sometimes and deliver it, deliver you know, I don't know that we can meet X, Y, or Z, or I'm not sure we're going to hit this target. But um, I will say, you know, Sean and the Home Depot Foundation, they, they're, it's a little bit of a unicorn in that they're very open to that sort of um, feedback or news, um, just a study partner. But I think, you know, that's why you build trust so that you can have those study partnerships where, um, you know, you have honest communication, good times or bad. I love that. And it maybe it's a product of who Engage for Good attracts as an, an audience and a community. But the amount of conversations I've had, whether in in webinars with members on podcasts, where it comes down to how do you build a real relationship where you get to know each other, where there's trust, that's a solid foundation from which to figure out and solve all of these issues that come up. And if you don't have that foundation, everything else is so much harder. And I got to say, like, um, every year, 
uh, Meals on Wheels America puts on this incredibly large conference. Um, and it, you really see how large organization is in, in a sense. But um, we get the opportunity as funders to meet with other funders that are there that have been partners with um, Kelly and her team at Meals on Wheels America longer than we have. And you can see that the trust has been built with all of these organizations and there is a desire and um, a a desire to be innovative with these relationships. And I always say, and same with Kelly, it's like, if you can, we can be references for Meals on Wheels. You know what I mean? Like if Meals on Wheels is going for another partnership, um, it really shows um, their strength and their ability to manage all of these different large scale corporations or funders with different needs, with different requests. Um, it just bodes really, really well if you see that with an organization that they they have the capacity and the ability to navigate all these different different partnerships. I think if you could bottle that, there's some magic there. <laughs> no, really. I mean, like you yep, were asking, no, sure. I mean, I think, you know, Sean shows a deep interest in connecting with partners that are totally outside the veteran space, outside of, you know, home repair and modification, but he champions us with other partners and is this ambassador. And likewise, I mean, we are genuinely thrilled when the Home Depot Foundation meets a milestone that has nothing to do with us. I mean, that is like the next level of partnership. It's like, you know, really being um, thrilled for the success and rooting for your partners, whether or not it has anything to do with you and your organization. Like you have to kind of look beyond that. I mean, I think that that creates a stronger relationship. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Okay, we're turning to advice time because we're nearing the end of the podcast. Kelly, what advice would you give listeners related to working with really large corporate partners? Okay, I'm going to say something that might be counterintuitive for some folks. And we were just talking about the fact, you know, nonprofit world, a lot of type A, a lot of like pleasers, givers. But um, I do think you have to watch out for over delivery. Okay. So, you know, defining success for a partnership, like what it means to knock it out of the park on focused objectives and on what's most meaningful for the partnership is really essential But I think, you know, sometimes we get lost in a lot of activities and extra reporting and more stories and more recognition and more opportunities and more things. And it's almost like a compensation for what you lack or fear. You're like, we're so small, so we have to do more. Or, you know, we're scared this campaign isn't going to make a big enough splash. So we have to compensate by doing another campaign and another campaign. So, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, especially if you're a small organization, you cannot sustain over delivery. You know, it's much better to focus on what is core to the partnership, what you agreed on, meet those expectations. Some surprise and delight moments, absolutely. Like thoughtful touches throughout, you know, building the relationship, that's so important. But if you try to constantly over deliver and you condition your partners to expect over delivery, they may not grow and you're going to exhaust yourselves and you're going to exhaust your teams. I was saying your team uh, may not stay. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. You might burn everyone out. So I think there is, you know, sometimes like great pride in over delivery, but it's, it's, it's a danger, you know, that exception becomes the expectation um, and you just can't sustain it. So I'd say focus and, and knock it out on the, knock it out of the park on those focused objectives and that meaningful impact. I think that's really key. And I also like how you kept in there that there can be those surprise and delight moments. Like we're not necessarily getting rid of those, but it's taking a really hard look at what actually makes sense here. 
are these limiting beliefs that I'm buying into actually true? And then how do I want to show up or how do we want to show up as a result of those? Okay, Sean, on your end, what advice would you give corporate listeners for building these types of partnerships? One of the things that makes us really good at what we do, and I'm going to be completely honest, is that we have backgrounds in nonprofit management. We've all worked for nonprofits. We've all ah. have been volunteers. We we know the ins and outs, and we brought that to the corporate side. Um, if you are a corporate funder, I would encourage you to volunteer as much as you can um, with the same organization, build an understanding of how they work, how they function, so you can understand what it means to function as a nonprofit. Um, it's very different than a corporation. Um, and so I think my rec- that's a huge recommendation is put some sweat into it to learn what it means to work for an organization. So you understand that when you make certain requests that could push an organization over capacity or it could move them away from their mission. Um, because the way we try to be partners is by, again, following the partner's leads, figuring out ways that we can support that mission, and then leveraging additional resources outside of our funding to to grow that partnership and to grow our support. Um, But we do it in a way with always putting the partners first, um, while we're also ensuring that we're meeting our our goals and we uh, we are reporting back out to our stakeholders, but we don't do it in a way to to push them beyond their capacity. So I think the only way you're really going to learn about working in a nonprofit is by working in one, volunteering for, I'm not just saying like one day, I mean like volunteer for a year, like set up like a regular reoccurring volunteer opportunity for yourself, you know, leverage your, your resources for that organization and then go from there. Okay, both of these are not something we typically hear and maybe have even really ever heard in the advice section. So I'm especially intrigued by what you've shared. Thank you. (laughs) And on that note, we are coming to the end of our time. So we're going to do our lightning round of questions, three questions. We're going to go back and forth with each of them. And Kelly, we'll start with you. What are one or two key behaviors or strategies that help you excel as a leader? Well, so I'll go with kind of the trait um, and behavior, I think, empathy. I mean, you know, this is not rocket science, but um, certainly (laughs) listening to, considering, um, trying to understand different perspectives and feelings is really key to the relationship, to the team, um, to service delivery. And then I'm going to say grit. Um, You know, you know, especially uh, in the nonprofit sector and post-pandemic, Sometimes you just have to dig in, you know, move past whatever the perceived challenge or failure is, um, kick it into another gear, persevere. I love it. Okay, Sean, what about you? Can I do three? You can. Okay. <laughs> you can be an overachiever like <laughs> <Yeah>. me. <laughs> um, the first one is being approachable, like being an approachable leader so people can come to you with their ideas and concerns. Um, the second one is be able to make decisions. Um, not, you don't have to make them fast, but make decisions and don't dilly dally. And then the third one is don't be afraid to admit when you're wrong. Um, and when you have to pivot and make a change, because I've had leaders that never admit when they're wrong and it would just be beneficial to everyone to kind of go through that process together and then make a new, make a new plan to move forward. Absolutely. Okay. Second question. 
our field can be a really busy one that's doing crucial work. So how do each of you carve out time and space to protect your own well-being so that you can show up as your best selves and keep moving this work forward? And Sean, we'll start with you this time. Yeah, I mean, there's always something to be done out there, always. Um, and I think the people that are on this podcast, listen to this podcast, know that you always want to be part of the solution. Um, but like you said, you know, you got to be able to show up and be your best self. So what I do is I go outside. <laughs> I go outside and I just leave the phones away and just sit and be for a second. And I know that's so hard. It's so hard. Um, but I've been doing a better job with after work, just sitting on my front porch and just hanging out um, and taking a beat, whether it be like 15 to 30 minutes um, or longer or shorter. But I think it's really important to just be present, be be with yourself, be with your thoughts, and then make space for for everything else. Well, I love I love what Sean said. I'll I'll go in a totally uh, different direction just to give some variety here. Um, our team recently came together about how we could protect our well being inside the workplace too, and we just brainstormed this list of like some simple actions. Um, meeting free Fridays with each other can't control that, you know, across with all the partners, but of course with each other reducing meeting times, like from an hour to 55 minutes or 30 minutes to 25 minutes. So, you know, not huge actions, but what I think is really cool is that we're doing it and we're going to hold ourselves accountable because we came up with it as a team. I love that. And I love that you had the conversation together because not everybody does. And that's a huge passion point of mine. But anyway, last question. (laughs) Where can people learn more about you, Kelly, and Meals on Wheels America? Well, for sure, our website, mealsonwheelsamerica.org, but especially our social channels. So, you know, we're where you would expect us to be. Facebook, Instagram, X, LinkedIn. That's where you can also find some of that storytelling we were talking about earlier. So I hope you'll visit. Awesome. And Sean, what about you and the Home Depot Foundation? Yeah, same. Um, we highlight all of our partnerships, especially with Meals on Wheels on Instagram, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, all that good stuff. And it's at Home Depot Found. <laughs> we had to drop the Asian because there's not enough <laughs> characters. So, so at Home Depot Found on all of that. But that's really where we brainstorm ideas with Kelly and her team to like do that storytelling and get some get some information out there. I love it. Well, we will include all of that in the show notes, which you can find at engageforgood.com. Kelly, Sean, this was an awesome conversation. Thank you for joining me and for really pulling apart the different pieces of your partnership and sharing some uh, very valuable nuggets. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. The Engage for Good podcast is produced in partnership with True Story FM, engineering by Pete Wright. Music this week is by Daniel Brown and Rex Manor. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, we hope you'll consider doing just that for our show. But the best thing that you can do to support Engage for Good is simply to share the show with a friend or colleague. Thank you for listening.